Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome to the Arsenal Women Arsecast on Arsblog.com with me, your host, Tim Stillman. It's fair to say there's been quite a bit going on in the world of Arsenal women in the last few days. First of all, last Monday, we had the confirmation, the announcement that Jonas Eideval would be the new head coach of Arsenal women. Jonas is um, still managing Rosengård until the 12th of July, but he will come in and take over from Joe Montemoro. And that is really what this episode will focus on. But also on Friday, we had the confirmation of Nikita Paris's transfer from Lyon to Arsenal. And we've got a couple of articles up on Ask Blog News at the moment. One, um, an analysis I wrote of Nikita and her game and her data and how she might fit into this team. And also I had a chance to have a chat with Nikita on Friday afternoon. And I, I printed that. Um, that article on Ask Blog News, so you can go and read it there. I, I think towards the end of the summer window, we'll perhaps do an episode on all of the transfer business, both in and out, once it's all complete. But from what I can gather, there are really wheels turning um, in the background now, so we might see some some other signings coming in the next few weeks. Um, the girls getting back to, together for pre-season soon. And obviously also on Friday, we had the Champions League draw, um, and so Arsenal will face, and I really should have looked this up before I started recording uh, the name of the Kazakhstani opposition that they will be playing um, on August the 18th. And if they win that game, they will play the winner of PSV Eindhoven versus CSK versus Lokomotiv Moscow. Sorry. Um, and then if they win both of those games, they go through to the playoff, which will be played on uh, 31st of August slash 1st of September will be the first leg. 7th, 8th of September, second leg, and that will be a home and away format. So lots of work for Arsenal to do before they get into the Champions League group stages. But again, we're not really going to focus on that in this episode. That's something we might focus on a little bit closer to the time. But instead, this is an episode very much devoted to um, finding out a little bit more about our new manager, Jonas Eideval, a 38-year-old coach, spent his whole career in Sweden um, to this point, not very widely known in England, but uh, fair to say he's very widely known in Sweden. And so that's kind of where we focus some of our attention. And we've got two great guests lined up for you for this episode to talk about Jonas. First of all, Alex and I spoke to Anita Asante, um, ex-Arsenal player, uh, Champions League winner with Arsenal, of course, in 2007, currently at Aston Villa. She played under Jonas for two years uh, during her time in Sweden at, at Rosengård. And uh, what she said was was really enthusing. She, frankly, she raved about him. Um, so hopefully, um, gets you excited for the for the new appointment. And then after that, we talked to Swedish journalist, analyst, photographer. Uh, not sure there isn't that. There's a lot she doesn't do around Swedish women's football. Uh, Mia Eriksson um, to get her insight on Jonas and and I guess what he's like. And 
and a little bit maybe of insight on Frieden Marnham, 21-year-old Norwegian midfielder who Arsenal are heavily linked with um, at the moment. And uh, Mia knows uh, Frieda both as a player and, and, and as a person as well um, pretty well. So we had we had a short conversation about, about Frieda, but I, don't, I didn't want to jinx anything, so I didn't go into it too much. So without further ado, we will cut now to the interview with myself and Alex Ibaceta uh, with Anita Asante. Hope you enjoy it. Joining us now on the show, uh, four-time FA Cup winner, five-time league title winner and European Cup winner with Arsenal, current Aston Villa defender, Anita Asante. Anita, thanks so much for joining us. Yeah, thank you for having me on. And uh, obviously, I've been wanting to get you on the pod for ages anyway, but obviously with the um, announcement uh, that Jonas Eideval will take over at Arsenal um, this season and and you played under him, of course. So we'll we'll ask you plenty of searching questions, myself and Alex, about Jonas. But at the start, it would be remiss of me not to ask you about the 2007 uh, Champions League winning season, which you were a key part of for Arsenal. First of all, did you know that you're the only member of the starting 11 from the final who's still playing? No, I don't think I did. <laughs> I hadn't really thought about it. Um, you know, I leave everyone else to deal with the stats and all of that stuff. But no, that's, um, yeah, that's pretty cool. Um, I'll take that, that platitude. And um, did you, when that happened, and obviously Arsenal won the quadruple, but really the, the Champions League win was the big one. And I was at Forum Wood that day and, and it was really obvious what it meant to, to all of the players in the squad. Did you realise the enormity of what you'd done that day or is it something that's dawned on you more and more over the years? Um, I think it's something, you know, the 2000 uh, European Cup win was like something that has dawned on me definitely more and more, um, you know, as, as, as I've gone on because of just, you know, it not being broken still as well. And the time uh, and length it's taken for, you know, another English club to sort of do that again. Um, I think at the time we knew it was a massive big deal because the dominant teams in Europe were the German clubs, you know, Swedish clubs. And we historically hadn't got surpassed, you know, those final stages. So um, it was a huge deal for us. Um, and it meant, like you said, a great deal to not only us as the players, but I think the club. And, you know, we all felt like we were part of a really good uh, club with a great feeling and a club that was behind us and wanted to see us succeed. So, um, yeah, you know, it was, it was a phenomenal like achievement as a group, but um, the feeling I think will live with us <laughs> forever. And rightly so. And obviously Arsenal played, you know, you referenced the Swedish clubs there and Arsenal played Umea in the final. Um, uh, that was, well, I say that day, it was over two legs, the final, but Obviously, one of the big reasons we've got you on today is because you played under Jonas Eideval um, and you, you played in Sweden for a few years yourself. What was it that kind of attracted you to go to Sweden? And you stayed there for quite a long time, so you must have really liked it. What were your experiences like playing in Sweden? Yeah, so I, I went to play in Sweden um, off the back of playing in the American League. And um, I just, you know, wanted to experience something different again, be in a different football environment, um, you know, learn from, you know, a different culture in terms of coaching and the football experience. And I first landed in Gothenburg um, and after sort of, a, you know, decent two seasons there, Jonas basically recruited me to our, our <laughs> then rival team in, in Rosengold in Malmö. 
And, um, you know, I, I knew they were a really good team. You know, they were one of the top teams in Sweden at the time and always had competitive games against them. And I felt like, you know, this is a team and a manager that could definitely develop me further and, and bring me into a more competitive environment as well. And going off the back of that, after your time at the Swedish League, uh, you came back to the WSL. So kind of what was the main contrast that you saw between both leagues? Well, I think the Swedish League, you know, had historically done very well considering the market that it's in, in terms of the sort of football economy, you know, of the game, because, you know, we're quite fortunate in the UK that we have, you know, big English clubs that are global brands. Um, and so I think the major contrast was seeing like coming back to Chelsea and seeing how far it had integrated into the whole structure of the club and the accessibility they had to certain resources, the training pitches, you know, the day-to-day professional environment, um, you know, had developed significantly from my time uh, playing in the UK before, because obviously when I played at Arsenal, we trained twice a week, you know, and all of that. And in the evenings and then to come to a pro environment where you're training every day, um, you know, with top level coaches and players, um, yeah, it showed how far the game had developed. And talking about UNS again, that transition that you just mentioned of, you know, it's, it is very two contrasting leagues and, and all sorts of aspects. How do you see Jonas, like his transition going from the Swedish league to the WSL, both on a footballistic wise, but also on a coaching personality wise? Well, when I had Jonas as a coach, he, you know, is very enthusiastic. He's always learning, evolving, you know, sharing his ideas. He's, super passionate I mean you could some might describe him as obsessed you know he's so into the tactical game and I think as a as a coach that's what he was like on the pitch you know he was very good at motivating a, I think a group of players and you know really believing in the potential of his players as well um, and I think that's a skill set that is you know incredibly important and he'll will definitely be able to transfer um, into this league I think the biggest difference for him um, as well will be just the level of interest and scrutiny that's involved in the women's game. I mean, I know that is across the board, but I think even more so in the UK now with just how much the WSL, FAWSL has grown, um, you know, there'll definitely be more eyeballs (laughs) watching every single move and, you know, and be interested as well as to what he can bring that's different. Yeah, one of, one of the things actually that um, just before his press conference, the Arsenal press officer said to me was, I don't think he's ever had this like, uh, you know, like doing press conferences and things like that and having this level of media support before. Um, I, I guess um, lots of people, myself included, really tried to find out who Arsenal were going to recruit as the manager. <laughs> and I put my hands up as completely unsuccessful, had no idea until about two minutes before it was announced. Um, so Arsenal kept this very close guarded. What was your, um, your, were you surprised um, at all by this appointment? I just wanted to gauge your, your reaction when it was announced. Well, I, th- I think my initial reaction was, wow, amazing. That's a great job. Like, honestly, I, I think, you know, as an ex-Arsenal player, I was sort of like, good job. You've done well there to recruit Jonas because maybe not everyone was looking in his direction. Um, you know, profile of coaches and managers are the same as looking at high profile players, I suppose. Um, but, you know, I think he ha- has shown that he has the ability to win things with good players and, and in a good structured environment where he's also able to, 
bring his best qualities. Um, and I think his temperament, I think his player management skills is something that is sometimes undervalued in, in, the, in sport. And I think sometimes that's bigger than anything else, tactically or anything else sometimes that can get a group galvanized and together very quickly in a job of, of which he's going to have to do. Obviously, Arsenal is an ambitious club and they want to, you know, be back in the top in terms of the league and in Europe and things like that. So, you know, he, he definitely has the right characteristics, I believe, to bring out the best in the group and, and rather quickly since they're going to have Champions League games <laughs> creeping up, you know, fast and furious. So, um, yeah, honestly, my initial reaction was there's a lot of people that are going to have questions and they don't necessarily know a great deal about him. But from my personal experience, which was a positive one, and knowing that he's managed top players and, you know, some might describe as big ego players, um, I don't think this environment will face him. Yeah, one of the things he said in the press conference, one of the things I've been told is that um, that, that he, he said, I'm very direct, um, is what he said. Um, in terms of his communication style with players. And, you know, Arsenal have come away from Joe Montemoro, who um, who was direct, I think, but in a different way, much more kind of laid back, personable in his approach to people, if not to football. Mm. Whereas it sounds to me like Jonas is is quite different to that. Was he, um, you know, was he quite direct when he coached you? And how did all of the players respond to that? Yeah, I think Jonas, when he coached me, was kind of, you know, direct in the sense of his information. You know, he's a coach that knows exactly what he wants to achieve with a group of players, his playing style, um, you know, roles and responsibilities. And he's very detailed in that and he'll be very clear. But I don't see that as a, a bad thing. I think a lot of players like to know where they stand, you know, within a team and within a squad. Um, they like to know what is expected of them in order to sort of, drive their own goals and their own standards as well. And I think it keeps the group in a, in a way to a higher standard and probably leaves less room for questions. Cause you know, as a coach, when you're trying to coach something and you've not been clear, then you're going to get 20 questions and it just takes away from your training session or what you're trying to develop. So I, I think that's his style. And I think most of us adapted really well to it and, you know, I think that's why we were successful under him because we all understood um, sort of the identity of our club as a Rosengold and how we wanted to play. And then taking that and looking at the specific personalities and the names on this current Arsenal squad, you know, the Katie McCabe's, the Kim Littles, the Vivian Miedema, the Leah Williamson, Lydia Williams, you know, all these have all these players have very different personalities on and off the pitch. How do you see Jonas's philosophies and his directiveness fitting into this current Arsenal squad? Well, I think, you know, Jonas is, is he's still Swedish at the end of the day. So, <laughs> you know, on the pitch, he's going to, you know, go to work and he's going to try and, you know, uh, firm in his ideas as a coach and in, in his belief systems into the players um, he's obviously talked about being a ball possession type of coach. I think the players will enjoy that. That's what we all identify Arsenal uh, as a team over the years. So he won't probably detract from that. If anything, he will just probably, you know, put his own stamp on what he wants. Um, off the pitch, I think he still has that sensibility. I think he still understands, you know, how to interact with people on a social level. I think he would you know, take the approach of being quite open and 
you know, that's how I found him to be like easy going as well off the pitch. And you can have a normal conversation and he'll talk to you about all sorts of things. It could be politics, history, law, you know, you name it. Um, he is a very wide, knowledgeable guy and, and he's very personable. Um, and he, and he has, you know, character, he, he can be funny too. So I think, of course it will take time. Um, like anyone getting to know someone new. Um, but I think, he has the ability to really gel with a group quite quickly. And obviously, you know, we've mentioned the the very, very crowded Arsenal schedule, especially at the beginning of the season. Um, he doesn't have a lot of time to kind of settle in correctly. Um, obviously, with players off at the Olympics, he only has half the squad to fit into that. Um, so considering, you know, that the rough start to the season, we'll call it that. Um, hopefully it isn't too rough on paper, but the scheduling for now. Um, how do you, what are you expecting from an Arsenal team coached by Jonas in this first season? Well, I guess I'm expecting an Arsenal team that fundamentally understands what they're doing in and out of possession um, collectively. Um, a team that's going to play on its strengths wherever they identify their main threats are um, to try and play through that, I can imagine. Um, and, and to, I think, you know, a lot of people, there's been a lot of talk about, I guess, confidence when Arsenal play the other top sides in, in, in the WSL and the likes of Chelsea and Man City. So he's going to also probably have to develop and work on that psychological aspect of this club and bringing in that kind of resilience and that kind of non, never say die attitude to you know to a full game um you know I can imagine him bringing that because that is his personality I think and he is definitely passionate from the side and he'll definitely push his players um so yeah I think that's what we can expect of course it's going to be a challenge I think he understands that but you know he's a he's a young and ambitious coach and he, he has a great group of players to work with and yeah, one of the other thing I've been told about him, Anita, is that, um, again, probably quite contrary to Joe on the sidelines, he's, um, you know, can get himself into trouble with fourth officials um, quite a lot. And that he, you know, he coaches not just on the training pitch, but from the technical area. Was, was that what he was like when, when he coached you? Yes, absolutely. I think um, it's going to be fun for others to witness and see. Um, you know, I think on face value, when you first see Jonas and meet him, you you don't necessarily expect that from him, but he can get really obviously involved in the game. And obviously, you know, it's part of wanting to win and wanting your team to succeed. Um, you know, he can be animated like any coach, I suppose, but it, it's even more fun because it's him. <laughs> and it's, you know, I guess not typically always associated with Scandinavians. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, you referenced some of it there. The, what the first question I asked him actually was about, you know, Arsenal's single biggest problem last season, the last couple of seasons has been when they play Chelsea and Man City and Chelsea and Man City put that high press on. I, I don't think we ever found the answer under that with Joe. And I asked him about that, whether he thought that was a technical thing, a tactical thing, psychological, whether it's to do with player positioning. And he said, I was expecting him to say, mm, it's maybe a bit of all four, but he said, no, it's positioning. For me, he said, I have to, my job is that when they come under pressure, they know where the player is so they don't get stressed. And, um, you know, he talked a lot about that kind of positioning in possession. Um, does, again, does that kind of strike a chord in terms of his his methodology with you? Yeah, I mean, I, I, 
definitely, I think, like I said before, he's the sort of coach that will definitely be clear and, and have clarity for the group. Um, and if that's something he's identified, then, you know, he's, I know he would have spent hours looking at things, footage, you know, all sorts of things to make sure that um, he can problem solve and, and, and provide solutions for the team. Um, and, and, and it is part of the way we played, you know, the DNA, like having a blueprint that everybody understands for situations like when you are stressed, to, you know, to reduce that stress. So, um, yeah, definitely is something that I would attribute to his, his coaching style. And we keep talking about it there. Sorry, I just looked. Um, I, like his direct personality, the Scandinavian kind of personality, which is very different to someone like Joe, who was very warm and was always kind of laid back um, in all his press conferences and all the post-match um, things. And I just wanted to to kind of, obviously you know him a lot better in terms of personality and kind of behind the scenes. How do you think that the media, the fans are going to receive his, you know, different personality on the sideline, on the press conferences, on, on what he wants. Cause he, even in that first press conference, you know, Tim asked him a lot of questions. We all asked him questions and he knew exactly what he was going to say. He knew like he was very confident in what he wants to do and what he believed in. So kind of, what do you think the reception is going to be? Well, I think like most football fans, you always do in the comparison game. So that naturally will happen. You know, I know Joe was well liked and, you know, at the club and the players adored him too. So that's natural. It'll take a while, I think, for everyone to gravitate maybe to, towards him and his personality. But I think you're, what you'll find is someone that is, you know, a super professional, totally understands how to work with the media, um, understands, you know, um, the interaction for fans and players and how important that is. And I think, you know, the warm and fuzziness, he won't be concerned if people don't see that from him. I don't think, I don't think he will mind so much if the fans or the media don't reference him in the same way, because he will know exactly how he's cultivating that relationship with the players. And as long as he has the, the players on board and he gets them to play in a way that everyone enjoys and also brings success, you know, I think he, the rest will follow naturally. Um, so yeah, just knowing him, as, you know, as a person, I think, you know, he is a nice person. He is, it's not that he's not, I don't think, you know, J Joe is one particular personality that seems to be that way with media, with fans and everyone like that. But I think, um, you know, Jonas will prioritize the team as his main focus and, and how they relate to him um, and everything else is, is a bonus and then everyone else just has to deal with it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then going a bit more on the analysis side, um, you know, we mentioned there that, you know, Man City and Chelsea were kind of two of biggest Arsenal's um, downsides to the season, um, particularly this past season. It, it, the results didn't go Ars Arsenal's way at all. Um, mm. And it did seem like it was like those little kind of, corrections that needed to be made you know the high press and, and knowing what to do and how to get at the, get out of that high press um seeing that it is you know it seems to be just like these little little um corrections are something to do in order to get forward from that because the score lines weren't big um with the exception of maybe one game um but the score lines were, were relatively tight um do you think that he's going to have an immediate impact on these particular games um, yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, what we're referencing is game management and understanding, I guess, that when you play other top sides, 
you will come under stress. <laughs> so it's about how players manage that feeling and how they problem solve. But instead of having to work out maybe four or five scenarios in, in their minds when they're stressed, he will be able to hone down, you know, simple solutions for them to break out and, and everyone be on the same page. Um, because I think perhaps, you know, at times they probably weren't adaptable enough to those situations. So he will want to address that straight away. Um, and I definitely think if he's able to do that quickly, you, you will see a difference most likely when they do come up against the likes of Man City and Chelsea. A, a question um, I had as, as well, Anita, um, is, is obviously to do with his age. Um, you know, he's 38, but he's a very experienced coach. And obviously when you played under him, he must have been late 20s, early 30s. And obviously there's not a lot of distance in age between kind of the two of you. Yeah. I was just wondering, <clears throat> excuse me, I was just wondering like what that, and, and I know that's probably a bit more common in women's football, for example, but I, I just wondered what that was like, I guess, being coached at that stage of your career by someone who's a very similar age to you. Yeah, I guess um, it's funny because I didn't even realise how old or young he was um, until recently because it was never something that came up. It was never something we thought about. You know, he, we looked at him as our our coach and he drove the environment. And um, yeah, it's a unique thing, I guess, in the women's game as well to have someone in such a close age proximity. But, you know, his maturity and his level of knowledge instantly garnered the respect of me and, and all my teammates. Um, and his proven track record, if you like, in terms of um, success with Rosengold in the past was also a reason to just you know, 100% buy-in to his um, ideal, playing ideology and things like that. So um, I kind of think it's also sometimes a positive thing because I think it made him very relatable to the players. And he, instead of, you know, being a kind of hierarchical thing, players and coach, it kind of felt like he was just an extension of our group. Um, you know, and he has lots of interesting ways to incorporate uh, motivating statements and videos and things from other parts of the sport, you know, other sports as well. So, um, yeah, I think it's a very unique thing, but it's great to see, I think, uh, in general, more and more young, ambitious coaches with success who are also challenging themselves. Yeah, absolutely. And, and my final question before I hand over to Alex for the, the last couple, um, I, I guess Arsenal's other big issue has been injuries um, over the last couple of years. And I had a look at Jonas's LinkedIn and he's published some blogs on there. And one of them is actually about, I think he entitled it uh, Marginal Gains, Never Give Up. Um, so I think we, we're building a picture here of, of a very methodical guy, but he, 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 like, he wrote a blog about the importance of warming up um, before the second half, for example, um, and I'm just wondering um, on the fitness management side, what your experiences were of working with him. And, and, and I guess without being able to diagnose like exactly, um, you know, relating that to the injury issues Arsenal have had over the years, because I'm certain that Arsenal would have asked him that question uh, when they interviewed him about injury management. Yeah, I think um, Jonas is a type of guy that 
like you say, he, he expands his mind and his knowledge and he's reading up on things all the time. And he would lean on expertise as well from people within the game um, for that support. And in my experience, I remember we had one season where we didn't have a single injury. And that was because we had a phenomenal sports scientist involved in our club. And he leaned on her expertise as well. And it worked very relatively well for us. So um, I can imagine that he would take the same approach. And like you said, in terms of his blogs, in terms of um, warming up at half time and things like that, you know, how many teams do you see that don't warm up at half times? <laughs> you know, that's, you know, quite a small thing and basic thing, but there's a lot of teams that still don't. So, you know, even if a, a simple thing like that, he thinks is introduced to the Arsenal side, it can make a huge difference um, in terms of the injuries. But um, yeah, just knowing him, I know he wouldn't leave any sort of stone unturned when it comes to this area because he would understand more than anyone the importance of having a fit squad in the kind of game schedule that Arsenal is going to face as well. The more you talk, Anita, the more hopeful I am for the season. But I'm an Arsenal fan, so I can't get too hopeful either because <laughs> historically that doesn't go too well. Um, but looking at, you know, looking at Arsenal also, but looking at the WSL as a wider um, kind of holistic approach as well, how important was it for Arsenal to get a new coach? You know, we mentioned like way earlier that, it, you know, a lot of people aren't looking in his direction, whether it be because he's Swedish, he's Swedish and coming from a Swedish league that is... I wouldn't say smaller because it is a really good league, but it, it doesn't have the same attention as say like Spain, England. Um, how important is it for the league to continue to get these different personalities from different leagues um, come into the WSL and kind of plant their, their philosophies and their style play? I think it's incredibly important um, for the WSL to, you know, keep bringing in um, interesting coaches, innovative coaches, from leagues such as Swedish League, because it's sometimes very easy to lean on what we think is high profile when we don't always understand the environment of those clubs and what they have on offer on offer. But you know, with someone like Jonas, you can lots of players, you know, could be um, uh, spoken to to just get a simple reference as to what he could bring to a team. Um, and 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 I just think it's it shows just like players, you know, we move around, we have transfers. You're starting to see that movement in terms of management and coaches because they want to expand themselves as well. And they also want to be able to work in, you know, good structured clubs with good talent pools, whether that be directly in the senior women's team or through their youth pathways. So um, I think it's a, you know, great opportunity for him. And it also will signal to other coaches and foreign coaches that might you know, seek the WSL as a potential home in the future, that this is a, a good league and a good environment to be in um, and one that's going to continue to grow in terms of interest. Yeah, we definitely hope so. Um, and kind of final question from me is, you know, we mentioned that you came from the English league, then from the American league straight to Sweden. For you personally, as a player who's been around kind of a, a very English environment for a lot of your career, what was the main kind of takeaway, something that you valued the most uh, playing under Jonas? Well, I think the thing I 
I would say I valued the most, like I said earlier, is that he felt like an extension of the team, not necessarily just your boss. You know, if there was a tough fitness day, sometimes he's joining in and he's encouraging you, he's pushing you. He's like, come on, you know, and, and as a player, sometimes you need that, you know, you need to feel he, they understand, they understand this is painful. We don't always want to do it, but they're involved. Um, and like I said, he's a, he's a great um, motivator as well. You know, he has ways to inspire, I think, a whole group of people because he's got lots of interest and he follows lots of different other sports as well. And it kind of opens up the minds of players as well. I think we would watch things and be like, wow, yeah, that's cool. You know, ask him about it. And so, yeah, I think that's the thing I, I valued um, the most. But it, more importantly, he created a very competitive environment. So, you know, when I played at Rosengold at the time, that's what I felt I got every day. And as a player, you want to feel that you can improve every day to some degree, you know, whether it be big or small, but that you got something out of it and he will definitely bring that. Anita, thanks so much for your insight. And uh, I don't know about Alex, but I, I feel even more enthused. I, I was really interested in this appointment and I was I thought there were some traps Arsenal could have fallen into with this appointment. And I'm actually quite glad to see, I don't want to say left field, but something that really looks like they've done their research and they've done their homework and, and everything like that. And, um, and that really stacks up with what you said. So thanks so much for joining the show today. Just to add, you know, sure. sorry, just to add, you know, Jonas has worked with, if you look at players that have progressed and gone on to bigger teams, I think it's important to mention that, you know, he has worked with the likes of, Marty's worked with the likes of Sarah Bjork, Gunnar you know, Ramona Backman, and, you know, a lot of top players that have gone on to other big European clubs. So he'll definitely be able to, I think, you know, even develop those players that he has at Arsenal furthermore. Yeah, big time. And, and I think there might be um, there might be a couple of, of players he's managed before that might turn up at the club. There's lots of rumours mm-hmm. about Simone Sorensen. Um, at the moment so yeah absolutely and and Sweden you know is is such a great league for um for that that level of talent I mean Marta that that, that kind of says it all Swedish it. citizen and all Mar- Marta <laughs> and Kristen Press together I just I always forget that happened at one point yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly um so and, Anita thanks so much and um best of luck uh, for the season coming up with Aston Villa of course also under an exciting new manager in Carla Ward Indeed. Um, and yeah, we'll we'll speak to you very soon. But thank you for coming on to the show. Thank you, Tim. Thanks, Alex, for having me. So that was the insight of Arsenal quadruple winner, um, Olympian, current Aston Villa defender, Anita Asante on Jonas. And I, I hope you found that as fascinating as I did and, and as encouraging as I did, actually, because Anita has played under some really, really good coaches. She's played under Vic Akers. She's played under Emma Hayes. Um, she's played with some of the best players in the world, uh, like Marta, for example, Kelly Smith, um, players of that ilk. So, uh, you know, I, I think it's fair to say her threshold is is quite high in terms of what she's experienced in women's football. So to hear her be so positive and enthusiastic about Jonas is is really encouraging, I think. Um, now we're going to hear from Swedish journalist Mir Eriksson, um, and she's just going to give us a little bit of her insight into Jonas Eidevel and, and her experiences um, of him and, and watching his teams in the Damelspelsken. 
Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Okay, joining us now on the show is Swedish football journalist, photographer, analyst. I'm not, I'm not sure if there's anything you don't do around Swedish women's football. Uh, Mia Eriksson. Mia, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. Happy to be here. Um, Mia, I wanted to get your perspective on um, Arsenal's appointment of Jonas Eideval as, uh, as the new coach. And, and we had some interesting discussions about it offline. Um, for, uh, but my first kind of question, I guess, is Jonas has spent his whole coaching career, really, in Sweden. Um, and even though he's quite young, he's quite experienced. So I just wondered what the view of Jonas generally in, in, around Swedish women's football is. I think, uh, I mean, it's kind of obvious he's been coaching the best, one of the best women's team in Sweden. Uh, so I think it's it's a great football to watch when he's coaching along the sideline and he is very passionate uh, and loud. Um, well, to me, uh, I think he's the total opposite of Joe Montemuro <laughs> along mm. the sidelines, even though I've, I've mostly seen Joe on television, you know, but uh, this year has been kind of um, different as well because you have, you have been able to hear the coaches along the sidelines. And, and if you have watched a game in the Damal Svenska with uh, Jonas, you can really hear him. You know, he is a loud and vocal coach. Uh, and and I, I think it's the best to, you know, to uh, describe that as with, with real passion because he's, yeah, he's definitely one of the most passionate coaches in the Damal Svenskan. Yeah, and, and that really came across in our in our conversation with Anita um, as well. One of the things, um, I, so I always expected Arsenal to very closely guard the appointment process. Um, and I wasn't necessarily expecting to find out who it was. And as you know, I didn't I didn't know who it was until the announcement dropped. But one thing I was expecting was um, I was expecting us to hire, you know, um, perhaps a, a foreign coach. And I thought that maybe a story would drop in their local press. Um, that, that's what happened with Joe Montemoro. Something drops in the Australian press before it was announced. Personally, I didn't hear anything about this. Did, did you hear anything um, about the prospect of Jonas uh, coming to Arsenal and how has the appointment been greeted in Sweden? Uh, you see, I, I think this is an interesting question 
because I've, I've been thinking about this a lot, you know, when, when you uh, read um, Swedish media around women's football and then you read uh, English media around women's football and you have a total different culture than we. We are quite, uh, I mean, if someone tells us to not say anything, we, we don't do it. <laughs> so I think this is what has been happening here. Uh, no one has has known about this uh, but in Swedish media it's been it's been like two three articles per media outlet uh, around this so I think this is um, this is big um, in Sweden and I think it is too but I'm not that surprised that that this has been happening uh, because I mean like uh, the Swedish league, we are known to develop young talents. And I think we have to apply that uh, into this as well with coaches. Yeah. Um, so I, I think it's uh, it's happening now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and that was something else Anita was keen to mention, you know, that actually he has a record of developing players. And he said, look, he's managed Marta, um, you know, Hannah Glatt, like he's managed some big players, some really, really good players as well. And I guess just um, kind of staying with the overall reaction, I mean, we know that generally, certainly on the men's side, that Arsenal, you know, Arsenal kind of has that link with Sweden because of some great Swedish players that Arsenal have had. Um, and, you know, the men's team very briefly had a Swedish manager um, last season. So, um, you know, I, I wondered, you know, you, you said there it was like it's quite a big deal. Um, how you know how much of a big deal is it that it's that it's Arsenal that Jonas has come to? Yeah, I think I think it is a big deal. Uh, I mean, we uh, this is the perspective of perspective of men's football and women's football as well. Uh, and in the on the men's side, it, Arsenal is probably seen as a top team uh, still, but they aren't a top team. But in the women's game, Arsenal is seen as a big team. Uh, so I think it's, it's big in Sweden uh, because of that. Uh, and because of the fact that Arsenal has a great history in women's football. Um, so, yeah. And what's, um, what's your take, your personal take on the appointment? Yeah, I think it's, it, it's interesting. I've been... I've been writing um, a lot of things around the Swedish uh, national team uh, these last days. And I used, <clears throat> I mean, I write for Analytics FC and we, we use Transfer Lab. Uh, it's a scouting tool just launched back in March for the women's game as well. Uh, and then I was like, you know, it's no surprise that, uh, uh, and it's fact, that Leah Williamson, is um, is one of the she is uh, the center back in in the WSL that takes most progressive rounds. She's great with long and short passes. Uh, and then I was kind of curious about that because Arsenal have been struggled uh, with high pressure. And then I went in to look now uh, on the Rose and Gold players and. Uh, the centre back in the Dahmer Svenskan also plays. Uh, she plays in Rosengård, who has the most progressive uh, ball movement. Mm. And so it's 
I think it's going to be really interesting because in Sweden, Rosengård is the dominant the dominated team uh, but they they don't necessarily you know have it's kind of like 50-50 ball possession uh, but they like to have the ball uh, and I've been kind of feeling watching Arsenal you know they, they haven't been comfortable with the ball mm. um, so I think it's it's going to be really interesting because I think Rosengold plays uh, a very exciting football to watch, but they struggled last year uh, to score. That's what cost them the the title last year, uh, and then they then they lost to lost points, uh, played like a zero zero games and and to to teams at the bottom of the table, mm. uh, having the ball a lot but didn't manage to score. Um, even though they have uh, like players Anna Anvegård, you know about her. <laughs> mm. uh, so yeah, I think it's going to be uh, very exciting for Arsenal fans to watch what is going to happen now. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And um, and another thing, I'm well. You referenced um, what Jonas is like on the sidelines, uh, and I think that's something that's coming through clearly in a lot of conversations I've had. But is there anything else that you think Arsenal fans should should kind of some of the things maybe about him or his coaching style that will become apparent quickly? Do you think? Yeah, I think. Yeah, I mean, I mentioned this before. Uh, he is a loud coach. Uh, I'm sure as a coach, you will adapt to the culture uh, and and you always, I mean, I, I take this course in football analysis now and, and you have to, to be wary of how you transmit information and when you do it and stuff like that. And, and uh, I'm sure if you know your players, you know where the limits, uh, limits, you know, are, is, um, but, but, I think, I mean, he, he screams, he shouts, he, uh, he's loud and vocal. I've never seen a coach in the Dom Svenskan who acts like him. Uh, and it's kind of fascinating to see. Uh, and, and I'm sure as a player, you either like that or you don't like it. Uh, yeah. So, so it, it's kind of extreme, you know. Uh, either you, you get pushed and motivated or you don't. Yeah, that's that's interesting. That, that was going to be my next question, actually, is that um, and, and one of the things Anita said, and obviously Anita played in Sweden for a long time and, you know, speaks the language and is, is very well integrated into the culture. And she said, actually, you know, it, it's quite unusual for any coach to do that. But she said in Sweden, it's really unusual. And one of the things I was going to ask is, do you think that there is a risk that some players and, and I wonder if this has happened at Rosengård, whether you know, there are just some players who've said, I, I can't hack this guy. <laughs> uh, do you think there's a risk of that at Arsenal? Well, yeah, obviously. It's always like that with extreme things. Uh, but then it, it is also like this. I think uh, coaches adapt to, you know, a group of players. And, and, and I think um, you think... I get the feeling that that even English people see Swedish people as very, you know, calm, composed, and you know we don't show enough, uh, that many feelings. But I think we see English people even more like that. 
Yeah. Um, so I think it, my, my first thought was actually when I, when I saw he was appointed as a head coach, I, I saw, oh, this is going to be interesting to see him standing along the sidelines, screaming at Viviana Miedema like that. <laughs> <laughs> that was my first, you know. But then again, you, you can turn things around and, and, and say that hmm, maybe this is what Arsenal needs. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I, yeah. It's, it's go, it goes both ways. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think there is going to be like a, a little bit of a culture change, certainly an approach, and that and that could be a good thing or it could be a bad thing, but it, it, it kind of depends at this stage. But um, I, I guess I'd, I'd ask, because one of the things I'm quite interested in with this appointment is obviously this is Joe Montemoro's squad, and there is no point in hiring a manager who wants to do something wildly different with it. Um, so the, the fact that Jonas has managed like dominant teams in Sweden... Um, and, you know, generally plays attacking football. I think that was definitely what Arsenal were looking for. How would you describe the type of attacking football? Is it, is it pressing? Is it possession? What kind of style did his uh, Rosengård team play? I think seeing Rosengård play, they want to have the ball. You can feel it all over. They want to have the ball all the time. And if they lose it, they know, they know how to get it back. You know, you can see teams wanting the ball, but you can also see them that they're not sure of, oh, how are we going to take it back? Mm. Uh, but Rosengård knows how to take it back when they lose it. And I think that's, that's kind of a standout in the Swedish league for, for that team. But then you have to be aware of the fact that even, I, think, I actually think the Swedish league is one of the most competitive leagues in the world i'm going to say that now i don't i know that english people don't like to hear this because they <laughs> say that the wsl is but in sweden all teams can grab points from each other uh, i mean i i wouldn't you know expect arsenal to lose points versus bristol city last season yeah. but rosengård they uh didn't manage to score and they didn't concede versus Djurgården last season, who is a bottom team. Uh, so I think you have, to, you have to be aware of that when you watch, you know, uh, the kind of football the teams play. Um, but I think what Rosengård and Jonas Edeval might be having uh, shown this season in Sweden is that they learned from their mistakes last season and they have fixed it now. Yeah. So it went fast, you know, to fix the problem. Uh, and I think you don't see that very often uh, with coaches and teams. Yeah. And that's going to be a key thing for Arsenal because with the kind of response to high pressure, that's a big thing that Arsenal have to fix quite quickly. And that there's probably not a lot else wrong um, with Arsenal um, and, that and, and injuries, I think, are the two main things. Um, another thing kind of Anita pointed out, um, you know, was that, like I said earlier, like he, he has managed some big players and Sweden, you know, definitely has this um, kind of reputation as, as a really strong women's league, but as still as an exporter um, of talent. I, I wondered if there were any players in particular, uh, maybe at Rosengård or, or at his other jobs where, he could really point to as a success story that, you know, I managed this player and I developed them and they went on, they, they went to Europe and they were, oh, sorry, they went to other European countries and, and were very successful. 
Oh, now you're putting me on the spot here because <laughs> my memory. Uh, I was thinking about last season. I don't. I'm. I'm, I'm going to turn it into this. Uh, I think we can give him credit for bringing the world Hannah Bennison. Mm-hmm. Uh, she hasn't left Rosengord yet, but she was appointed uh, as goals, you know, world's most promising talent. And he he managed her last season. So he managed to, you know, show her um, off to the world. And I think that's, I think that's more interesting in a way because in Sweden, it's hard to tell that we have many teams in Sweden and coaches that has, you know, managed to do that. Mm. Uh, bring bring uh, Europe uh, some really great players from Sweden. Um, so, I mean, but I mean, Anita Asante is a, is a very good example of that, yep. I think. I yeah. Think so. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, you know, speaking, I mean, he, he's already said in response to some questions from the Swedish press that he isn't going to go to Rosengård for players at this stage um, to bring with him to Arsenal, that he, he doesn't feel that that would be, that would be appropriate. Um, but Arsenal are being linked with Scandinavian players already. And one they're being linked with, again, not at Rosengård, but is a free, I, I'm probably going to butcher the pronunciation of uh, Freedom Arnhem, um, what kind of player is she and, um, you know, how good both is she and can she be? Because she's 21, but she's quite experienced. Yeah, she's from my team, Linköping. <laughs> um, I mean, she is um, she is described week in and week out, uh, every round that's being played. Uh, from the Swedish media, she's seen as the Dalmalsvenskan's best player at the moment. So you can imagine uh, she leaves Linköping, it's going to be a big hole in their squad. Uh, she is not the kind of player you are going to replace easily. Mm. Uh, she is the player in in, in the Dalmalsvenskan that takes the most, most uh, shots. Uh necessarily don't hit the target all the time, uh, but she dares to take a shot mm. uh, and she scores. I mean, no, no doubt about that. And she has been captain for Lin Shopping. That's also quite telling. Um, I think she will have the chance in England to really show how good she is. Hmm. Because in Sweden, in Linköping, she, she uh, her whole team depends too much on her. Yeah, you can see that when when they they give her, give her the ball in situations where she might l- lose it, but that's because they the players around her uh, might not be good enough to know when to give her the ball. Yeah, but if you give her the ball in in the right moment. She can work wonder. Uh, she's fast. I mean, she moves like I, I joked with her <laughs> sometimes a couple of weeks ago and, and asked her, if are you a gazelle or something? Because <laughs> she, she really moves like that. And um, uh, she, she plays in mid, she's an attacking midfielder, right? Yeah. 
I mean, she is, and, and she can be used uh, as a winger uh, in the midfield as well. Um, but but she is she is a playmaker. Yeah, uh, and I think, but she is a playmaker uh, in the attack. But she she never hesitates to run back to defend. Yeah, hardworking. Um, yeah, yeah, and and just in closing on that. Um, you know, are there because there's there's some kind of talk about it um, about Freedom on and possibly coming to Arsenal. Are there? Are there and, and obviously, she's already at the stage of a recording. She's already announced that she's leaving Link Choppings, and and that announcement's been made. She's played her final game, scored in her final game, etc. Are those links with Arsenal? Are they are they being made yet in the Swedish press? Uh, no, and this is also kind of interesting, but. Yeah, get back to what I said before. Swedish press is like, um, well, that that might not be true because they they've already written about Sofia Jakobsson and and Kosovar Aslani before it was announced by the clubs. But but no, I haven't seen anything that would link her to Arsenal in the Swedish media yet. Uh, but but I would like to add uh, also. I mean, she. She really is a great person. So whatever club in England is going to get her, she is like, I mean, I've, I've never, I actually, it was a Lin Shepping supporter that actually cried after the game, uh, her last game. Um, so because she was leaving, because they, they said that I've never met a player like her. Yeah. And that's true. I mean, I asked her to, you know, record a video uh, to to send to one of her supporters in India. And then she was like, yeah, of course. And then she did it and, and that went viral on Twitter. And I mean, and that she is that kind of person. Very, she's a good person. Yeah, yeah. One to keep an eye on. And I think we know she's coming to England and just um, fingers crossed it is Arsenal because... Um, I think, yeah, I mean, not even just potential. Um, in the, there is potential in the player, but I think it's, as you say, that's a, that's a talent that's already there and already pretty formed, probably in a position where Arsenal could could do with another player as well. But Mia, I've I've taken uh, far too much of your time already. That was a, a really fascinating insight. Thank you so much um, for joining the show. And given that Arsenal now has a Swedish manager, um, I'm sure we'll talk again during the season. Yeah, I hope so. Big thanks to Mia Eriksson there for her insight. Um, again, very, very fascinating. Perhaps not as um, as enthusiastic as, as Anita, but um, not unenthusiastic, it has to be said. But um, perhaps, you know, a, a little bit of balance to the discussion there from, from Mia and uh, really appreciated her insight on Frieda Marnham as well. And I've, I've got my fingers crossed that Arsenal do get that deal over the line because she's an incredibly exciting player. That's all we've got time for this month. Big thanks to our guests, uh, Anita Asante and Mia Eriksson, and of course to my co- to our co-host, uh, one of our co-hosts, Alex Ibaceta. Um, Really hope that you've enjoyed this episode. We will have more episodes during the summer. We've got another one lined up for later this month, looking ahead to the Olympic Games in Tokyo. So we will be, uh, we'll we'll obviously preview that through an Arsenal lens. So we will preview the countries that have Arsenal representation. Um, and look a little bit at, at some of the Arsenal players that are going to be playing in Tokyo in end of July, beginning of August. 
Um, and then in August, obviously, we'll cover off the kind of the Champions League qualifying ties, a little bit about the transfer market and a more general season preview. But I'm anticipating having that Olympics preview episode out in about two to two and a half weeks time. Already got some great guests uh, lined up for that, some of whom you may be familiar with who've been on the podcast before. But until then, thank you so much for downloading this episode. If you want to give us a rating and uh, make it, you know, make it clear that it's the Arsenal Women Arscast that you're rating when you do, that would be hugely appreciated. It all helps um, just to kind of promote the podcast a little bit more. And of course, myself, Alex, Pippa, we're all um, completely open to your feedback uh, on social media where we are all very contactable and I hope very open and engaging. But until then, thank you so much for downloading and listening to the episode. And we'll talk to you again in a couple of weeks' time. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much, but when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you.